Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the AccuWeather Podcast, Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller, and I'm joined in the studio by my producer, Andy Robb. Well, it's summer, and obviously it has been hot. We've had this heat wave going on that just is now coming to an end, but millions of people cool off by heading to the beach. So recently, Andy, you may have heard the news of reports of some pretty scary infections that were contracted by beachgoers, including the so-called flesh-eating bacteria, which is absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it it definitely is. You you probably have seen that in the news, and we're going to find out about it today because we're going to be talking to one of the researchers and authors of a recently published study in the Annals of Internal Medicine, Dr. Catherine Doctor, and we're going to uh, investigate some of these incidents and ask about what role rising ocean temperatures may play, and we're going to be joined by our very own meteorologist, Brett Anderson, for that as well. Right, that's coming up, so stay with us. I was just like, oh my goodness, my leg's going to fall off. <laughs> like, that's the only thing I could keep thinking. Amanda Edwards can lab today thinking about her potentially fatal health scare. It, like, spreads really quickly. And the way that it was spreading, it was going up my leg. Edwards says she caught a flesh-eating staph infection during a day of fun at Norfolk's Ocean View Beach. She says it happened last week. I was like, it's really hot. Let's go outside. So we went outside to the beach, and I was only in the water for maybe, like, 10 minutes. The next day, I did not feel good. Um, I noticed this thing that came on my leg and I was just, I ignored it for a couple of days and then it just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where I couldn't walk anymore. She tells us doctors treated the infection and says the bacteria possibly got into her skin through a cut. This was around the time there was a swimming advisory at the beach. So that was a recent news report from WTKR, which serves the Norfolk, Virginia area. So listen to this, Andy. So in April, man fishing in Florida contracted flesh-eating bacteria. A few months later, a girl vacationing in Destin, Florida, I think they were from Indiana, also contracted it. You may Did you hear about that case? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she was like skateboarding, and I think she just had a little cut on her toe mm-hmm. and ended up getting this Contracting infection. Contracting yeah. Right. And then after that, there was a 77-year-old woman that died after walking along the beach in Florida. And there were also cases in Texas and Alabama, which you normally expect to see. But recently, there were some cases in Norfolk, Maryland, New Jersey, and Delaware. So that raised new questions about these illnesses. So that's why we decided to investigate this in the podcast. We're joined on the phone now by Dr. Catherine Doctor, an infectious disease specialist at Cooper University Hospital in Camden, New Jersey, actually one of the authors of this study. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I would like to talk to you about this study, and I wanted to ask you, did some recent cases lead you to conduct it? And can you tell me about some of those? 
in uh, this area of the country, in southern Jersey and even farther north, Vibrio infections do occur, but they're mainly from eating uh, raw or undercooked shellfish. And in our hospital, prior to 2017, in the eight years prior, there was only one case of Vibrio infection. In 2017, we saw three cases, and then in 2018, we saw two cases. And so our interest was peaked in 2017. Why so many cases in one year? And then in 2018, when we had additional cases, we thought that there was possibly something going on, something concerning. And given that vibrio infections don't occur commonly here, they're more endemic or more commonly occur in the Gulf Coast between Texas and Florida, as well as in the Chesapeake Bay. So we weren't sure if something was going on in terms of climate change, which would lead to more vibrio infections. So we wanted clinicians in our area to be aware that we saw this many cases and it's occurring here, so they should be aware if somebody was to present with a severe infection that Evibrio uh, vulnificus could be a cause of one of those infections. So the illness that seems to strike fear into our hearts is necrotizing fasciitis, that's that flesh-eating bacteria. So when you say Vibrio infections, were you looking at that? Are there other germs or bacteria? Like what all falls under that scope? Necrotizing fasciitis, it describes how deep and how severe the infection is. So you have layers of skin and then fascia, which is like a fibrous tissue below the skin. And then underneath the fascia, you have muscle. So regular skin infections like cellulitis only infect the skin. And fasciitis goes all the way through the skin to the fascia. Necrotizing is a medical term for uh, dying. So basically, necrotizing fasciitis is a severe infection of skin that causes cell and skin death that goes down to the fascia. So there are other bacteria that do cause necrotizing fasciitis, not limited to Vibrio vulnificus, but Vibrio vulnificus also can cause different levels of infection. It can cause a mild skin infection in people with no risk factors. In people with risk factors or severe Vibrio infections, risk factors are any kind of liver disease, diabetes, and any kind of immunosuppression from either a drug or for cancer or um, a transplant. So people with risk factors can develop a severe infection, which can include necrotizing fasciitis, as well as septicemia, which is when the bacteria, when the vibrio gets into the blood and causes additional organ damage other than just to the skin. So with some of these bacteria, you're saying it's someone who's more prone is going to be a more weakened immune system. Is that most of the people you were seeing? Yeah, so four out of the five people who were in the study had a hepatitis or uncontrolled diabetes. The other person had a significant amount of exposure. He had also been crabbing for a week, and due to an underlying condition, he was not able to wear wading boots. So he had sustained many cuts during the week. And the night before he presented, he had eaten a dozen crabs. So basically too much time spent in the water, too much eating yeah. of the food from the water, you know, the, the uh, crabs from the water, like almost like overexposure that's going to cause yeah. problems for any system, I would think. 
Exactly. We had thought that it might have just been an overwhelming exposure to the Vibrio, but he was also not able to wear any protection while he was crabbing, such as wading boots. So that, I think, increased his exposure. I had a brother who got a, a pretty severe blood infection, was ended, ended up hospitalized when he was in Florida, um, because typically we've seen this in the Gulf or down around Florida where the water's warmer. So what specific area of the country was your focus? Camden is right across the river from Philadelphia, and we are a tertiary care center in southern Jersey. So a lot of the patients had presented to an outside hospital, a hospital in their community, and then they were transferred to Cooper's. All the cases that we saw were people who had exposure in some way to the Delaware Bay. Can you tell me if there's an increase in cases in this area? Do you think we're just hearing about it more? Because, I mean, we're hearing about it on the news quite a bit recently. So the Department of Health in New Jersey tracks all of the Vibrio cases. I can speak for our hospital that we definitely saw an increase in the cases. So what conditions does this bacteria need to flourish? Uh, Vibrio likes warm, salty water. Temperatures above 13 degrees Celsius with and over a certain amount of salt in the water. Vibrio isn't found in freshwater lakes. It's mainly found in brackish areas where there's a mixture of fresh and salt water. In terms of the temperature, it does like warmer temperatures. So that's why you mainly see it in the Gulf Coast as well as the Chesapeake Bay. The Delaware Bay is a little bit farther north and cooler. In the past, was too cool to support the growth of Vibrio, and we suspect that the Delaware Bay is getting warmer and now able to support Vibrio. You know, even when I was a kid, if you had a cut, you assumed that, you know, salt water, being in the ocean was good for it because salt water is like cleansing, but clearly with this, what's your advice to people going to the ocean? Well, first, I'd like to premise I grew up in New Jersey and I spent my life going to the beach and I continue to go to the beach. So I don't want anybody to be afraid of going or going in the water. However, if they do have a cut on themselves, I would advise to not go in the water, especially if they're going to be in a bay where the salinity is perfect for Vibrio to grow up. There is a upper limit of normal of salt that the Vibrio bacteria like. So over a certain amount of salt, they don't grow as well. Probably not going to be found in the deep ocean, more in brackish bay water. However, I would be careful going in the salt water if you have a cut. And if you do have any of the risk factors, any kind of liver disease, diabetes, or immunosuppression of some way, such as a drug for rheumatoid arthritis, et cetera, or chemotherapy for cancer, or uh, you've received a transplant, I would avoid eating raw or undercooked shellfish as well. If someone was to sustain a cut while they were in the water, or if they were cleaning crabs and they sustained a cut, and it started to become painful or red, then I would seek medical attention right away. Uh, The best outcomes for Vibrio are with early antibiotics and early debridement or early surgery. So if you get antibiotics early and if there is a severe infection and surgeons feel that they can take and remove the infected tissue right away, that's when people have the best outcomes. And what were some of the symptoms, like if you noticed the first signs of Vibrio, what should somebody look for? 
A lot of the time it starts the area where the wound infection is. The area becomes red and very painful and swollen. So if anybody sustains a cut and they see it getting swollen or very painful or red, I would go immediately to your doctor, to urgent care, to the ER, and definitely let them know that you've been exposed to salt water or bay water or what you were doing when you got the cut. Because I think that's a big clue for practitioners to know that they need to be concerned for Vibrio, that, you know, Vibrio, vulnificus infection, it should be on their radar if somebody sustains a cut, gets infected, and they've been exposed to water. Also, if you have a fever, especially after eating raw or undercooked, shellfish because you can get bacteria in the blood from eating shellfish that's infected with Vibrio. So I would say if you have a fever or if you feel unwell after eating undercooked shellfish, that you should uh, go see a healthcare provider right away. Again, especially if you have those risk factors that I talked about before. I'm going back also to how you were talking about how it can just be a cut. Now, when you say a cut, could that be just any size cut? Could it even be as small as like something like a paper cut? Uh, yes. Not all of our patients had these, you know, huge cuts. So, yeah, just a, a small cut where, especially if you're susceptible with one of the risk factors, if the conditions are right, if there's enough bacteria that gets into the cut, even a small cut could get infected. Are there any preventative measures that somebody can take, like bandaging or wrapping in gauze, or would you just recommend for like any size cut to stay out of that kind of water? If you have a paper cut, it's going to be much less likely that you would get an infection compared to if you have had a larger cut. But if you have any kind of obvious break in the skin and you have those risk factors, I would be wary and I would stay out of the water. If you are cleaning crabs, the shells can be sharp and you can sustain a cut like that way. Even if you don't have a pre-existing cut, I would recommend, if possible, to wear thick gloves to prevent cuts on your hands from the shells. If you're crabbing or taking oysters or clams, wear wading boots. And if you do catch any shellfish, cool it in, in a refrigerator or cool it to 4 degrees centigrade right away to prevent the growth of any Vibrio bacteria. Now, let's say you're eating crab and you cut yourself or something like that. Like if you wash your hands right afterwards with an antibacterial soap, will that help? Yes, but as as far as I've eaten crabs, usually they're cooked. So if you are eating crabs and they've been boiled, then there's no concern. It's really raw or undercooked shellfish. The people who were exposed to crabs in our study had just caught crabs. And so they were... They weren't just eating them at a restaurant or they weren't just like cracking them to eat. Right, right. They were cleaning them. And so with the study, is there anything that like shocked or surprised you towards the outcome? Um, I would say what surprised me the most were the actual number of cases. Classically, these infections occur in older men and that is what our demographic was. I don't know if that's just because men are more likely to do certain activities than women. Classically in medical school, and an example is given where there's an older man with cirrhosis eating raw oysters, and that's how vibrio infection classically is presented. So a lot of our people had contact with the water. They were wound infections rather than acquiring the bacteria through ingestion. So we saw a lot more wound infections than we usually do see in this area. 
as I said in the beginning, usually if we see a patient with vibrio vulnificus, it's because they've eaten raw or undercooked shellfish and they acquire it through ingestion, whereas these cases, four out of five of them were off through water exposure. So that's the change, really, that you've seen with the warming temperatures coming up into, like, the Chesapeake is just the fact that exposure physically rather than eating is a new phenomenon. Yes, in this area. So the takeaway here really is if you're eating shellfish or anything like that, you just want to make sure it's well-cooked. People who have immune issues and cuts or those types of things should just take extra precautions. Is that kind of your takeaway here? Yes, and I again, I don't want to scare anybody. I, I don't want to prevent people from enjoying the summer, enjoying the shore, enjoying seafood. But if you do have these, as you said, any of these risk factors, then you should be wary about eating raw or undercooked shellfish and avoid going into water, especially brackish bay water, if you have a cut. Are there any resources online that if anyone's looking for more information about uh, Vibrio and also preventative measures, uh, where could they go? Uh, The CDC has a great website on Vibrio and ways that you can prevent Vibrio infections and even other uh, gastrointestinal infections associated with seafood, uh, how to properly store seafood, especially shellfish after you've caught it, and proper protective equipment that you can wear to reduce the risk of water exposure or reduce the risk of getting a cut. So cdc.gov, you can search Vibrio or you can search it on your browser, and they do have a great website. So I would refer anybody with additional questions to the Vibrio website. Okay, thanks so much, Doctor. Doctor, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, thank you, Regina, for having me, and thank you for your interest. Well, Andy and I are joined now in the studio by Brett Anderson, our meteorologist here at AccuWeather, who we've talked to you before, Brett, about some ocean temperatures, and I thought it would be a good idea to bring you back in to kind of talk about this, since it all, all relates to this recent study that was done. So so one of the things in the study that Dr. Catherine Doctor, one of the um, researchers, right. said was that 55 degrees Fahrenheit is a, a regular temperature where the, you know, these bacteria okay. tend to survive. So we've always seen them in the Gulf. We've seen them around Florida, some of these bacterial infections that right, people yeah, get. Yeah. So I was, you know, kind of looking at NOAA's yeah. research with ocean temperatures and, and What's been the trend? Uh, it's been steadily increasing, especially over the past 30 years. Uh, it was fairly flat. You know, you know, they go back to about 1880, uh, mm-hmm. starting with these measurements. They uh, measure water temperatures. Uh, ships is pretty much the old method. Buoys. Mm-hmm. And now the newer methods are Argo floats with these little devices they just put out in the ocean. Oh, there. really? They're, yeah, they're very sensitive, and they're, they're spread out throughout the entire world in the oceans. How does that work better than buoys? Well, they have the very specialized little floating devices, and they can measure water temperature even way down deep, too. So they're very technical. And then, of course, they use satellite as well now, uh, Mm -hmm. so we're a lot more accurate. But uh, over the past 30 years, we've seen a dramatic increase uh, acceleration in water temperatures uh, globally, and that's also locally as well on the east coast of the United States. since 1880, uh, ocean water temperatures have re- increased 
about a degree Celsius, which is close to two degrees Fahrenheit since 1880. But uh, most of that really has occurred since 1970, 1980. Oh, okay. And so pretty so, recent history. Yeah, here. we're really starting to see that increase in, in recent history. And that I don't see any change in that uh, anytime soon. Actually, latest projections globally, at least, are for water temperatures perhaps increase, uh, you know, to about two to six or seven degrees Fahrenheit. There's a wide range by the end of the century. Oh, wow. So that's very significant. That's obviously if that occurs, which, you know, I don't know if we'll get to that upper range, but we're certainly going to see at least that lower range. Um, that's going to have a big ef- effect on a lot of species, uh, ocean species, of course, and many other things. Right. Yeah. And, and in fact, you know, I mean, speculation would go that you would continue to see problems that maybe used to be southeast coast or mid-Atlantic coast. Right. Drifting even up into yes. southern, who knows, southern New England. Yes, maybe. and I, I can actually relate this. Um, almost a, a close friend of mine up in uh, Rhode Island last year, um, he's a shell fisherman, and he actually had that uh, infection, uh, flesh-eating infection. He had a cut. No way. Yes, and that's in the, obviously that's in the north, you know, and so yeah. it do, can occur already uh, in, in New England. It's happened, so... Um, Oh, wow. You know, increasing water temperatures, obviously, that's certainly uh, one of the things uh, we have to be concerned with, obviously, many other things as well. Right. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because one of the things with this study, did, did your friend have any kind of immune deficiencies as well? That that's we a good question. I do not know. Oh, that. okay. Um, right. He did survive, but, you know, he's oh, uh, that's certainly uh, changed his life uh, in a big way. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it, uh, it was just they had a. I guess he had a cut and he was out fishing and mm-hmm. just enough water got in there and right. it uh, caused a lot of problems. Well, I know so far this year, you know, some of the cases that have been reported, mm-hmm. um, some of the farther northern cases that have been reported around Virginia, also yeah. into Delaware, uh, New Jersey. Right. But you got to figure too. We're only in July, so we still have all of August because yeah. you know it's, it's possible even this year. Yeah. That we may see some of that drifting north. Yeah, and, and, and speaking of this year, I uh, just look at the uh, current uh, sea surface temperature anomalies, uh, departures from normal, and we have a large area of plus two degrees Celsius, uh, otherwise, um, that, which is again equivalent to about uh, three to four degrees Fahrenheit mm-hmm. above normal sea surface temperature water, uh, basically from the Chesapeake Bay region right up to Long Island. Okay. Uh, and that's been fairly consistent over the past month. That can change, obviously, with a change in wind direction. Uh, you know, but again, for the most parts of the summer, it's been warmer than normal. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking a few minutes to sure. talk to me, Brett. I appreciate it. So, Andy, the other thing, too, um, you know, I was talking to Brett earlier on that we forgot to mention, but I wanted to mention it now. But the streams that feed the Chesapeake Bay, uh, the freshwater streams, are one to two degrees warmer since 1960 as well. So they're they're a little bit warmer. Yeah. They're actually feeding into that. So, um, but we don't want to scare people about going to the beach. I mean, Ken's been sitting in the office here, <laughs> our director of audio services, and he's in a panic and says he's not going out of the house now, but... <laughs> But we don't want to scare people. He's 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 been just holding up a sign that says "Not leaving the house." (laughs) But you know, we don't want to scare people because we want you to enjoy the beach. But you know, I think it's just one of those things now with 
changing temperatures of the water, some of the problems that were in the south, moving north. So it's just something to be aware of. Yeah, just take those few extra minutes for a little bit of extra care could make a big difference. It could. So join us next week. We'll have a brand new episode next Thursday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.